Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We're talking about being incubators. How many of you guys know what an incubator is? Uh, incubator, I remember when I was in fifth grade, we had, I think it was fifth grade, we had some little chickens uh, and, and we had a, an incubator. If you guys, if, if, did y'all do that in school with an incubator? And we put these chickens in this incubator and we watched, you know, well, they weren't chickens, they were eggs. And we he- put them in this heater, this furnace, if you will, this incubator. And we put them in there and it, as the process of their life developed and then uh, for us, as fifth graders, the chickens were born on the weekend, so we didn't get to see them uh, be born, so we were really bummed. But, but when we talk about the, a furnace, what we're talking about is, is not just a place where things burn, but it's actually a place where things are refined. Things are developed in a furnace, and, and so we're talking about that with our, with our fervency for the Lord and, and our process with the Lord, but our lives are very much an incubator for the Lord. How many of you are with me? That our lives are kind of like a womb for God's to move in. And so that's what I want to talk about today. And I want to share a story from my probably one of my favorite mothers in Scripture, and her name is Hannah. And the story starts before she was ever a mother. And it's in First Samuel. Uh, actually, the, the story of David, the story of Saul, the story of Samuel all starts with the story of Hannah. And how many know that everybody's story starts with a mom? Come on, are you with me? Uh, Even Jesus, the story starts with a mom. And um, there's this man named Elkanah, and and he had two wives. Now, I don't know, like, why people would do that. Like, it's hard enough to have one wife, uh, but a lot of times in Scripture, um, this wasn't necessarily something that was prescribed. How many know that God created people to have one spouse, right? God created one man and one woman, not one man and two women. Um, but And sometimes people in their nature will try to get outside of that. But Elkanah had two wives. One was named Penina, and the other was named Hannah. And Penina could bear children. And if you got to understand, back in those days, that was the glory of a woman. A glory of a woman was to bear children, to, to be a godly mother uh, to her children. And so what we have here is we have Hannah, who is actually barren, and Penina, kind of her, not her enemy, but her battle, yeah, her, her challenger, her, her competition, if you will. She wanted to bear children also. So Penina actually was in this relationship where she would kind of make fun of her and poke fun of her and say, oh, look at all the children I have and you don't have any. I'm, I'm the favored wife. But actually, Elkanah really had a desire for Hannah. He really loved her a little bit more if you study the story. And it says this in 1 Samuel chapter 7, year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. And each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and she would not even eat. How many of you have ever been so depressed that food wasn't even filling a void in your life? Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah asked. Why aren't you eating? Why are you downhearted just because you have no children? And then he says this, just like a man. You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? Isn't it funny how men, even in Scripture, we're always trying to have solutions for the problems of women. Guys, just to give you a little advice, 
You can't help. All right, you just you just nod and I love you, babe, and I'm here. That's the best help you can do. For some reason, we always want to have answers. I, I know, I know the struggle's real, and I'll probably struggle with that tomorrow. Um, verse nine. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. And Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the temple. And Hannah was in deep anguish. It was real. Crying bitterly as she prayed before the Lord. Have you ever been in a place where you're before the Lord and you are in anguish and you are weeping before the Lord and you are bitter? This is where she was at. She, in her soul, she was rock bottom and she was crying out to God. And the priest, Eli, sees her. And he looks across the room at her praying and he sees her over there crying out to God, weeping. And he thinks she's drunk. So he goes, and you can read it in, in the scripture there. He goes to her, and he's like, have you been drinking? Did you bring some booze into the tabernacle? Like, what are you doing here? And she's like, no, no, sir, I'm not. She says, my soul is in anguish. This is what she says. Oh, no, sir, verse 15. I, have been drink, I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I'm very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I've been praying out of deep anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace and may God of, the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she says. Then she went back and began to eat again and she was no longer sad. The entire family got up the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. And then they returned home to Ramah. And well, when Elkanah slept with Hannah... The Lord remembered her plea. And verse 20, check this out. And in due time, she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel. How many love that? In due time, she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel. And she said, I'd ask, she said this of him, because I have asked the Lord for him. You've got to understand, Samuel was very significant, not just in the story of the book of First and Second Samuel. Samuel is monumental in your story. He's monumental in my story because you, you got to see this in 1 Samuel chapter 3, a couple of chapters later, it says this, that in those days, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. In other words, people weren't hearing from God. People, it's, the, the, the earth was dry from what God was saying. So God said, I'm going to find somebody on the earth who is desperate for me and I am going to start speaking to people again. And if you know the story of Jesus... Come on. And if you know the story of David, there's no David. There's no Jesus if there's no Samuel. Because Samuel was the one who established the movement, who anointed David as king. And Jesus came from the line of David. So a movement, listen, a move of God started from a mother. A desperate mother who was in anguish. Can I tell you today that there's always a mother in the midst of God's plan? Amen. There's always a mother in the midst of God's plan. Because a mother is this. A woman is a man with a womb. Are you tracking with me? Yeah. Now I know some of you guys are kind of like checking out. You're like, well, I guess this message isn't about me. Hold up. 
Check this out. Hannah in this narrative, Mary in the birthing of Jesus, the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, birthing God's movement through the bride of Christ, the church. See, God calls us as a church, His woman. So when God wants to birth something on the earth, He doesn't do it alone. He does this thing called partnership. That's what a husband and wife are. They're partners. So we, as the kingdom, as the church, as God's church on the earth, we are God's woman. We are the man with a womb, one able to bear forth the seed of God and release His movement on the earth. So we get to be the bride of Christ. And we're going to be talking more about Acts chapter 2 next week. Heaven, listen, Heaven has a desire on the earth. And that desire will be put inside the church and we will be the incubators of the process. Listen, the church, as flawed as she is, she is God's plan for the earth. We're not not saying overflow little C church. We're talking about the church, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ on the earth. If God does anything on the earth, it will be through his church. Beloved, we are significant. We are significant. We can come and we can cry, which we, we are doing. We will be crying out every Saturday night. Lord, sin revival, move on the earth. We're fellowship with you. We're hungry for God. God is saying, yes, yes, let me put my seed there. But listen, God will not move unless we move. God will not do unless we do. This is how God moves on the earth. So how do we nurture God's desires? How do we, for all, for all of you men in the room, nurture the move of God? Which is, nurturing is just mothering. How do we mother the move of God? Check this out. God always uses a birthing process. Right? Seeds in Scripture used more than any other illustration. Seeds and money. Interesting. Seeds used as an illustration. Why? Because a seed is the same thing that we have when a woman gets pregnant. It's a seed. It's a fertilization. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But check this out. John chapter 3 verse 3. Jesus says, I, rep- I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born a second time. What do you mean, explained Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus says, hold up, man. I assure you that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water. Which is, if you've seen a baby born, they're born of water. Right? We, um, three of our babies were born in the water. Out of the water, in the water. But when a woman gives birth to a baby, water comes out with the baby. If, how many of you have experienced that or seen it or knew that? How many of y'all did not know that? Well, you will know probably one day. Um, you'll get to ex- see it, maybe. Born of water and born of the Spirit. So Jesus is saying this. You've got to be born first. The first time you're born. How many of y'all are born? Yeah, I think so. I think you're alive in here. But Jesus says this. You can't see the kingdom. You can't be a part about a part of what I'm doing on the earth unless you are born a second time. 
You got to be born a second time. What is that? That is being born again. That's why we say I'm a born again Christian. Because I was born. And then I was born a second time. I had a new birth. God always uses the birthing process. God has a process. Everybody say process. Uh, We don't like process. It's 2017. We want instant. We don't want process. We want a shortcut. But with God, there's no shortcuts. I'm sorry. I mean, it's like, it's like slower than dial-up with God most of the time. Right? Really slow. But there is a process. So how do we nurture God's desire? First of all, there's got to be fertilization. Right? Y'all took biology. Right? Fertilization. How does fertilization happen in the context of pregnancy? Intimacy. Right? See, some of us want God to move, but we're not intimate with God. There's no relationship with God. There's no connection. There's no moments with God. You might have been raised a certain way. You might have read the Bible. You might even know the Bible, but you haven't had an encounter. And this is what happens with God. When you encounter God and you are intimate with God, He puts His seed inside of you. For Hannah, this happens spiritually with her cries. Right? Physically later with her husband. The seed happened. Let me, you know, we planning a church is hard. And people always tell us this. Despise not small beginnings. Right? It's hard. We're like, oh man, yeah, yeah. Despise not small beginnings. You know how many, I, I, I don't ever want to hear that again. Don't, don't tell me that to encourage me. It doesn't, it doesn't encourage me. I'm just like, no, I despise them. So, you know, there's just nothing you can do. It's not going to change. I despise small beginnings. Right? So I just changed up the vernacular a little bit. Despise not small moments. Because intimacy happens in a moment with an encounter. Now we need to have a lifestyle of intimacy with the Lord. Some of you, you've only had God do one thing in your life. And it's because you've only had one encounter. You've only had one intimate moment. But can I tell you today, despise not the small moments. Despise not the waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning, feeling like you need to pray, going, Father, would you just speak to your servant and he'll do just a little thing. Despise not those small moments. Despise not the when you don't feel like it and you got up and prayed and you didn't feel anything. Despise not those little glimmers of moments or the little connection you had with the Lord in the car or the little moment that you had when someone laid their hands on you. Despise not small moments because seed is always smaller than the fruit it produces. And the seed is the word of God. The logos, the written word, but it's also the rhema, the spoken word. It's like when God gets intimate and God loves intimacy because with intimacy he comes and he whispers the rhema into our word and he says into our ears and he said this is who I am and this is who you are. Why does God whisper? Because God loves intimacy. And you've got to be close to the Lord to hear what he's saying. So despise not those small moments. Despise not the whispers of the Lord. We all want the yelling of the Lord. Lord, speak to me. Lord, speak to me. And what he wants us to do is quiet our soul and get close enough to where we can hear his whisper because he loves intimacy. Because intimacy is the place where seeds are planted. It's where fertilization happens. 
Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. You guys ever seen a mustard seed? It's a little bitty. If I held it in my hand, you would not be able to see it. That a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants. And it becomes a tree so that birds come and perch on its branches. Despise not. Small moments. There's, there's a fertilization. Listen, this is the great thing about, about God. All of his seeds are fertile. Is our ground fertile? Come on. And when Jesus gave us a whole parable about this, right? Mark chapter 5, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, right? Good seed. The seed was always good. It's got to find good ground. So despise not those small moments. The second thing is cultivation. So we have the, the fun part, right? Come on, guys. We're adults here. You can laugh at that. Cultivation. See, it takes nine months to have a baby. It's just going to take nine months. Leslie will correct you and say it's longer than nine months. It's really closer to ten months. Forty-two weeks, six days. It takes that long. It needs, listen, it needs to take that long. There's a problem if it doesn't take that long. So our job, when God speaks to us, is to cultivate what He speaks. To incubate what He speaks. The problem is, is in the furnace it's hot. And in the furnace it's uncomfortable. But can I tell you that the furnace is the incubator. That we've got to stay in that because if we get out, the seed doesn't produce. And then we go, well, God just didn't come through. No, he came through. You bailed. And I I tell you this about pregnancy. My wife's been pregnant four times. Was the most... What, what, how many months is that? 36 months? Those are the most inconvenient 36, 40 months. Inconvenient 40 months of my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's easy for you to see, isn't it? But it's inconvenient. It's uncomfortable. It's not flattering. There's nothing pretty about it. Cultivating is a process. See, God provides the fire. we got to stay in the furnace. See, our job is to say yes to the seed. Not to produce the seed. Our job is to stay in the incubator. To remain. That's why Jesus said, remain in me. And my words will remain in you. And you'll produce. But you've got to stay there. You can't be checking out when it gets uncomfortable. Or when you have a bad day. Because that's, tend- that's our tendency. It's like, man... Maybe, maybe God didn't say that, so I'll check out. It takes nine months. Which usually is four seasons. Usually when you're pregnant, you're going to see four seasons. Well, I'm just going through a season. Well, just get ready. You're going to go through four more. You, we need to quit living. By the way, let me just say this. We need to quit leave, living from season to season and start living from glory to glory. Because that's what God's created you for. But, 
It is uncomfortable sometimes. How many know that it, if you've ever been camping before, you don't get uncomfortable being close to the flame. Sometimes you want to get up and move because it's hot. It's going to burn something off you. Right? It takes nine months. There's this, I got three points for, for cultivating. Number one is it takes maturity. You guys see this in the, in the resource center all the time. It takes maturity to carry a baby. I mean, your diet's got to change. Your lifestyle's got to change. Right? In order for the seed to mature, the bearer of the seed must mature. You know, mothering, one of the reasons why we honor moms so much is because mothering is one of the most selfless things there is to do. I watch my wife... Day in, day up, day out, cater to the needs of those around her. She is completely selfless with her children. There's never, you know, every once in a while, you know, I try to try to lighten her load. But even when I try to lighten her load, there's not a moment she's not thinking about her kids. It is completely selfless. Men, we don't get this. I remember when I was a kid, me and my older brother... We got in a lot of trouble because my mom worked really hard for, us, for her boys. I remember as a, as a little kid being, being home a lot of times by myself because my mom had to go and work a job. I remember my mom working at 7-Eleven when I was a kid working nights just so she could provide for her boys. I remember one night she came home and it was late. And uh, I heard the car pull into the to the carport. And, you know, of course, you know, when you're a kid, man, like, you want to have your eyes on your mom all the time. My mom used to have a funny little saying for that, but I'm not going to share that because some of y'all might not think it's appropriate for church. But I, I remember we would, we'd go and we had a window on our screen door. And I would look out that... Look at that little window and see, man, when's my mom coming home? When, when's she going to be here? When's she going to be here? When's she going to be here? I remember one day my mom pulled in from work, working one of those late night shifts. And I saw her pull in and she didn't see me. And I saw her sitting in that car and she, she turned the car off and she just leaned over the steering wheel and she just began to weep. And to me at that moment, it didn't mean as much as it does to me right now. But I, I watched my mom make the sacrifices necessary to provide for her kids being a single mom. And part of the reason why we don't see very many single dads, and there are some out there, is because moms just have what it takes. It takes maturity. It takes selflessness. That's how you measure maturity. How selfless are you? The second thing it takes is to cultivate is Flexibility. I'm not talking about gymnastics. But I'm talking about how flexible are you? How unrigid are you? Listen, you can bend or you can bust, but that baby's going to grow. And let me just say this, the more flexible we are, the less uncomfy the process will be. Right. If you're rigid, if everything, and this, I'm preaching to Josh Brown right now, because man, I am like, 
I got to have my lineup on. I'm very like strategic. I'm, my day's got to go just like this. It's got to be planned out. And when something comes in there, I'm like, no. So the Lord has to tell me all the time, Josh, you need to be flexible. You need to relax. And so a lot of times when, God, when I'm going through a process, when God's birthing something in me, it's very uncomfortable. And it's a lot harder on me because I'm not flexible. We've got to be flexible. Listen, if it's going to grow in you, it's going to grow you. He's not just growing his desires, he's growing you. See, he's not just growing his heart on the earth. He's not just growing a movement. Oh my God. He's growing you. Because as it grows, you're going to grow. Women, when you're pregnant, you put on weight. That's a good thing. Guys, husbands, that's a good thing. Because that means the promise is coming. So you got to be mature, you got to be flexible, and you got to be ready, expectantly and actively getting ready. Amen. You know, mothers are mothers way before the birth of a baby. That's right. The pastor Jen is, you know, about three weeks from having a baby. Our kids' pastor, Pastor Jen, back there, and she's a mother right now. Today's her first Mother's Day. It's not after the baby's born. And she, and can I tell you that it's not just because she's got a baby in her belly, but because she's already acting like mom at home. She's already getting the room ready. She's already making sacrifices. Listen, if we're gonna, if we're gonna carry a move of God, then we've got to act like Mama now. You acting like mama for what God is doing now, not five years. Oh, God really spoke to me. This is going to happen. But how are you being mama now in your current state? How are you fulfilling what God has put in your heart now? How are you nurturing it now? How are you saving for it now? Is the room ready? Is the budget ready? How ready are you for the move of God? Well, the Lord will provide when it comes. Nuh-uh. He's going to provide for it right now. And remember how He provides? Partnership. So you're sitting over here asking God to do it. And He's like, alright, let's do it. We ask God to do something and He goes, let's do it. Not I'll do it. It's the way it is. It's just God. It's all God. I know that sounds real spiritual and you sound real spiritual when you say that. But let's just be real. God always uses His church. It's the way He does it. You came into the kingdom because somebody shared the gospel with you. God used a man. God used a woman to put that seed inside of you. And number three, the third area is this. After cultivation is fruition. The promise arrives. For Hannah, this is before a baby was ever born. Because it says in verse 19, the Lord remembered. The Lord remembered. The Lord remembered this woman weeping bitterly, crying out, the Lord remembered the fruition of the Spirit in the natural First Samuel 1.19, the Lord remembered her plea, and in due time she gave birth to a son and named him Samuel. Listen, the baby will come. 
And some of you, you've been pregnant for 30 years with what God spoke to you. The promise will come. In the kingdom, payday doesn't always come on Friday. But it comes. So Galatians 6 verse 9. Listen, I've I've lived on this scripture for five years. Let us not become weary in doing good. Because in due time, in proper time, you will reap harvest. If the ifs if you will reap if you don't give up if you will give birth if you don't bail on the process The Lord, listen, wants to empower your if. I'm going to stay faithful, God. Right? I'm going to be right here, God. That if's big. You know what that if's dependent upon? It's not dependent upon God. It's dependent upon us. He's doing what only He can do. And He's saying, but you have got to stay in the incubator. You've got to stay in the furnace. I'm refining you. I'm doing a move. I put dreams in you. They're going to come forth. It's going to happen if if God empower our if. The baby will come when it's time. When the process is over, don't get out of the furnace. Don't get out of the incubator. It's gonna, listen, God always delivers. He always delivers. Not always in the way that we would like it to happen, the timing that we would like to happen, but when God says it, He will also bring it to pass. Our job is to stay in the process. We don't produce the seed, we just cultivate the process.